Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner Plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast presented by STP. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, and we're here with Otto Bolden, who is making his NASCAR and NBC debut, the first of four races at Daytona International Speedway. Welcome, Otto. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Good to be on. This has been a whirlwind day for you, I've heard. I just heard you talking about making pit stops with Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, those guys are probably about 10, 11 years younger than I am. (laughs) So I was out there lifting with them and learning how to change tires and jacking up the car. And those guys are probably still there feeling great. I'm getting a little sore, <laughs> but it was a great experience. Though. You give up some age, but you're still an athlete. I'm still an athlete, but the thing is, when I visit those guys, they go, what? He's got four Olympic medals. He's an Olympic athlete. So <laughs> they start getting, you know, it gets a little competitive. So yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I just heard you telling Jeff Benke that they gave you the baby air gun. Is that correct? Because <laughs> the Joe Gibbs Racing, I don't know, know about this, but they are known for having the most sophisticated high-tech air guns. That's why they have apparently the fastest stops in the business. So Right. So I didn't get anywhere near those, <laughs> um, which I was told was for my own good as well as everybody around me. You might break something. It could be right. Your hand. So right. I got what I call the Fisher-Price gun, but I did the best I could, and we did 20 takes of it, so it'll probably look really good on TV. I was not that good. That thing, take it, it's, there's a touch to it that I don't have yet. That's only my, you know, my third or fourth time ever even being in that in that area. So it was a learning experience, but I told them that this one that we did was for the pretty pictures for NBC and NBCSN. When I come back, I want to do it like boot camp. I want to do everything they do and see what the experience is from, from that perspective. So you're coming back to Jacob's where you're saying another oh, Tuesday morning and you're just going to train like hell. No question about <laughs> it. They, because I've, I'm not somebody who likes failure and today was kind of a huge fail. <laughs> so I want to come back and redeem myself because I know those guys are like, hmm, Olympic athletes. 
idea right. So part of the story, Otto, that, that the reason that you've, you've been brought on here is be, because you have this fish out of water quality. Did you know going into this that pit crews are well known? I mean, a lot of them are former football players, former track athletes. Did you know that they were such finely tuned athletes before you, you checked it out today? I truly didn't. And in fact, I was remarking today that being in their gym and being in the in the training area that they exist in, it's not that dissimilar from an right. Olympic training experience. You know, these guys are pushing sleds and they're doing box jumps and they're, they're doing a lot of the same lifts. And it, it just really speaks to how all sports sort of follow a common thread now. And it's not everybody, you know, you specialize certainly, but there's certain things that all sports do. So I knew that pit crews had to be in really good shape and they had to be really in sync and so on. But to watch those guys essentially train like Olympic athletes is sort of my first introduction to, okay, here is something that you did not know about this sport. Joe Gibbs Racing, actually, I don't know if you're aware of this or they, they told you much about it, but that, that training room that you saw, which is essentially like a physical therapy room, for you, I'm sure it's familiar. It, it's familiar. <laughs> there's, there's four contrast baths. There are massage tables. They do all sorts of massaging and needling and all these things to keep these guys because they have those repetitive motion injuries. And I'm sure it's not unlike you had seen probably in some track. That was really funny to me because it looks like a pro training room. Olympic pros, NFL pros, MLB pros. It looks like a pro training locker room. What else did you see today? Did you go anywhere else? Any other shops? Well, I I got to glance from afar at what goes on with the building and rebuilding and the components of a NASCAR. And, And to me, that was just amazing because you realize that at the end of the day, sport is competitive and everybody is looking for that extra edge. So this is not unlike any other sport. We are competitive. Whatever edge that we can possibly get within the rules, we're going to try to get it. Let's talk a little about what what you're going to be doing on the broadcast. The idea is for you to approach NASCAR in an inquisitive, sort of curious way. And from what I understand, you, you actually approached Sam Flood about doing this at the Rio Olympics. Yes, and here's why. I think, certainly when I was younger, and I think a lot of people do this, you have the sports that you love and follow and that you're passionate about, and the other ones almost never get your attention. And I used to be that sort of sports fan. I have the sports that I like, and the ones that, eh, not really, they don't really grab my attention. When I went to the Sochi Winter Olympic Games, it completely changed me as a sports fan. Because now I was watching downhill skiing and going, I have never seen a human move this fast on his own power. I was looking at other sports and realizing you've been ignorant as a sports fan because you've been missing out on all of these different sports that are fantastic, but you never gave them a chance. And I think because I confessed that to Sam Flood, he went, huh, okay, <laughs> you want to be, you wanna be the, the inquisitive cat? Okay, we'll find stuff for you to do. And the whole speed thing and NASCAR, I think, was an obvious fit. I'm a kid from the Caribbean. So NASCAR is as far as you would think from my sort of sensibility. I didn't, wa- I didn't grow up watching it. So it's as far as you would think. But being around it for a short period of time, I, I, I was at the, the Homestead race last year. You realize, you know what? There's things in every sport that will appeal to you. And there's things in every sport that I think link them all. What do you think some of those things are NASCAR does say the Olympics? Well, I mean, <laughs> I was looking at some of their uh, their times, for example. They have all their times listed in the, uh, the, uh, in, right. the uh, in the practice area. And I was pointing, I was like, you guys deal in the same sorts of amounts of time that sprinters deal in. And I pointed at like their best time. Their best time, is, the best time on the board is like 9.69. I said, that won the Olympics in Beijing. That was Bolt's time, 9.69. And then they have like 
a 10-6 time. And I said, that would win the 100-meter dash for the women. So, and the thing is that they get, you get obsessed about finding new ways to get faster because in that sport, as well as in my sport, a hundredth of a second or a tenth of a second is everything. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so I'm, I'm slowly but surely starting to find the things that link to sports that you would not think have any link whatsoever. I don't know if they said this, but Joe Gibbs Racing pit crew members or team members would look at those numbers and say, oh, 10.6, that's what one Kyle Bush Indianapolis right. last right. year, 11.2 when right. Denny Hamlin right. at Martinsville. And you're right. I, we actually have a podcast coming up here on the on the number 20 crew of Matt Kenseth. I spent some time talking to those guys, and they were explaining that they have four engineers who just watch video and study metrics, you know, like split times from how long it takes for the jackman to run around the car, the index of getting the tire off, lug nut patterns. And as you said, it's all about just shaving off a hundredth of a second or a tenth of a second. And if you can find that, that can be the difference between coming out of the pits first or second. And that's the kind of thing that I think Sam knew because Sam is who brought me into this business. Right. And I think Sam knew that that sort of thing would appeal to me and it would keep me engaged and passionate about the sport. You talked about video. Video is a huge part of what track and field athletes do. So when I didn't immediately see the video, but I, I just for my own purposes, I recorded on my iPhone in slow motion so I could see all the things that were happening that my brain couldn't process in the, you know, the 12 or 13 seconds that they were getting to practice. And they said, oh yeah, we have a, a video machine here and we continuously look at these videos and figure out, as you said, how can we find, how can we shave that extra fraction of a second? So I just looked at it and I went, wow, I would never think that, uh, right. that video is important to them. As it is to us. And I, I presume, I mean, they're looking at footwork and choreography. When you're looking at a video and yes. trying to shave time off of a, a 100 or 200 mm-hmm. meter sprint, how do, you, how do you do it? Like, what are you looking for that, that oh, gets you there? it can be something very simple. It, this Probably the same things that they're looking for. You're talking about footwork and body movement. If I'm looking at a sprinter that I coach, I can look and I can say, okay, your, uh, your hand, when you swing it, forward is supposed to come up to your eye level you only have it at your shoulder level so what that's going to do is it's going to shorten your stride so hey you multiply that times 45 46 steps 400 meters that's a lot of time and in fact that's how sprinters improve sprinters improve by trying to improve fractions of a of a of an inch with each step let's pause the podcast right here so i can tell you about a new product from our presenting sponsor stp For more than 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines perform at their best, and their newest product, the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. That helps keep fuel fresh during storage, especially in engines that are stored over an extended period of time. As someone who owns some older cars, products such as these are great to help improve fuel economy, to help keep your engines running smoothly they're really easy to use they just involve dumping the contents into the gas tank and they do all the rest so one bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline and the stp ultra 5 and one plus fuel system cleaner and fuel stabilizer is compatible with all two and four stroke engines including lawnmowers boats and motorcycles so make sure to check out the stp ultra 5-in-1 plus fuel system cleaner and fuel stabilizer and now let's return to our conversation with otto bolden 
when you agreed to do this, Otto, what was the reaction from all of the people around you who probably have no idea about stock car racing? Right. So, I mean, my, my real friends know that I am a car guy. I am a guy who spent, even when I was competing as, a, as an Olympic athlete, I would take my Porsche to Willow Springs Race, Raceway. And I would be up there racing with, um, you know, in the, on the, with the amateurs up there. So I've always been around cars. I am a car guy. I love speed. So the people who really know me go, huh, we should have seen this coming because right. you've always been this guy. The people who don't know me as well go, what could you possibly bring to a NASCAR broadcast and then they go but i'll watch because you're doing it and i nascar is not really my thing but i want to see i want to see how you're going to do this so i think that i think it's it's going to have um it's going to have several results in terms of the people i the people i know and the people who casually follow me on social media and so on are going to uh are going to tune in to see what could i possibly bring to this whole uh nascar broadcast car guy you have a you said you have a porsche I used to have a Porsche. You used to have a Porsche. I used okay. to have a Porsche. I got very uh, environment conscious recently, and um, I don't drive anything that's not electric. Okay. Of course, it's a it's a P ninety D Tesla with seven hundred and seventy horsepower, but still electric. Okay. So, so you're I, not I, sacrificing speed, for right? So I can go to zero to sixty. I can go from zero to sixty in like two six, <laughs> and not emit any carbon. So. That's nice. good. Is it just the sensation of speed, whether you're on foot or in a car? That's just something about it you like. I listen. I, I I believe that brains are wired for certain things, and even though I am 44 years this year, I am still around some of the world's fastest humans. Um, speed is still my thing. So you know, my my car now makes me press the brake when it's a yellow light because I want somebody to pull up next to me when that light turns green, so I can you know race them to 30 miles an hour or whatever. So, yeah, I, I just feel like I've always been a speed guy, and here's another chance for me to express it. Have you raced professionally? No. No, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that would be my doppelganger, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. <laughs> <laughs> I do see the resemblance as a freshman. All, yes, who also, was same tribe. We're both right. from, uh, we both have Trinidadian parents, and I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Trinidad. Did you ever have any desire to race? Are you hoping maybe to gain some tips or, or try it out this year? I believe that these sorts of things have to be learned very, very early. <laughs> okay. That's the first thing. Uh -huh. I also know that professionals make it look easy yep. to the layperson. So I, I, you know, I train the fastest high school girl in the hundred in the country, and she will be doing a workout, hopping up steps, and some ex-jock will come out there and he'll go, oh, I could do that, and we'll let him do it. And in the first two or three, he's about to fall on his face because the better you get at something, you are supposed to make people who have never done it before feel like they can do it. So I look at these guys who drive for a living. I go, look at them. I can do that. Left, left, right, left. You can't. Right. You can't. <laughs> they have been doing that since they were six. So right. I have enough respect for what these people do to know that I can't just step in and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. No, yeah. you can't. Any desire, perhaps, as you get to know these gentlemen, these athletes, that maybe they'll, they'll give you some tips and maybe you'll get to try it? Yeah. Now, that I will do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, the, and there is some, I've been hearing talk among my bosses that I will be allowed. I have to keep it under 100. And I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> but I am told that before Daytona, I will be allowed to drive if I agree to keep my speed under control so I don't run into, I don't know. Insurance issues. Okay. On the track at Daytona. On the track. I don't know if okay. it's going to be on, at Daytona, 
But okay. at some point down the line, I'm going to be allowed on the track. Good for you. I'm looking forward to that for you. What's the fastest you've ever gone in a race car? Or in a car, period, I guess, since mm, you have the race cars. In a car, period, probably on the Autobahn. Because track and field is so often in Europe, we spent a lot of time in the south of France. We used to rent Ferrari uh, 360s. Probably close to about 180 185 miles an hour, somewhere through Germany on the Autobahn. And you, and you did take the hot laps with Jeff Burton at Homestead Miami Speedway before the finale last year. I did. Had a lot of fun. I've never felt that much grip in a car. And that's the thing that I think everybody says, oh my gosh, the grip. That that will stay with me for a very, very long time. Because, you know, you don't really get the sens- sensation of speed. I've I've felt speed before, but I've never felt grip like that. So that was that was really cool. That's the same experience for me when I've done ride-alongs. Yes. So you're going in the turn and you're yes. thinking, there's no way this is going to stick. No way. Yeah, (laughs) and the funny thing with Jeff is that because I have you know my little amateur history going to tracks, when you're on street tires, you gotta get those tires really warmed up before you before you really get grip. And I got on there with Jeff, and Jeff immediately like started what I thought was gunning it, and I was like. Don't you have to warm up the, tr- the, the, the tires? And he went, yeah, this is the warm-up lap. I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> he hadn't really cranked it up yet, but yeah. that was fun. You had a remarkable track career. As Again, as I did the, the crash course on Otto Bolton, you are one of only four men, uh, Usain Bolt, Carl Lewis, and Frankie Fredericks. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Who have won four? Four individual medals. Four individual yeah. medals. Yeah. Okay. Bolt came and joined us recently. It used to be a club of three, but the difference is that all of Bolt's are gold. <laughs> I, have bron- <laughs> I have bronze and silver. They still count. So it really is a club of one. Bolt is the only person of those four who has all gold. Carl has a silver or two thrown in there. And Frankie Fredericks has all silver. Mine, mine are bronze and silver. So it's great to be in the club, but I know I'm fourth in that club of four. <laughs> <laughs> you're still a big name, though. Still in that, still I, in that I, club. You're Thank still you. with some very renowned company there. Yes. I mean, you are one of the great names in track and field, and you're coming into a sport where you have immense respect for the guys you're going to be covering and doing features on, but you don't really know them. What are you hoping to, to learn about these guys or find out about them as, as personalities? To be honest, one of the things that I have really gotten an interest in as I start to figure out my research search and, and what angles I'm going to take. These guys are folk heroes. So in the way that I go to I go to Jamaica and I cover Usain Bolt and he is a demigod. I understand very clearly that the nature of how passionate the fans are in NASCAR, these stars are that this is their Usain Bolt. This is sure. their Muhammad Ali. This is their comparison. Michael Jordan. So it's not a so it's it's not a sport with a ball or whatever. But these drivers are everything to their fans. And to me, I want to be one of the things I'm looking forward to that I'm doing for the Daytona 500 is I'm going to accompany a family who's been coming to the Daytona 500 for like 20 something years, and I'm going to get to be around them when they interact with a legendary driver. So I'm looking forward to that kind of stuff because I think I'll be able to parallel it to some of the times that I've been around really, really big athletes and seeing how they interact with their fans as well. That'll be really cool to see. And, I mean, you absolutely hit on it, Otto. I mean, that, that is the appeal. The drivers are what bring people to the grandstands and, 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 and think about watch it. them TV. I mean, in the same way that you will see a Jordan logo maybe on the back of a car, you know, you'll see an an Earnhardt sticker. Mm -hmm. You'll see, you know, so it's the same level of passion. Like, I love this athlete so much. I am such a fan of what he has been able to do behind the wheel that I literally have it all over my life. 
It's, you know, I mean, people get buried in NASCAR caskets. That, right. to me, is like, <laughs> wow. But I get it. I right. get it. Does track and field have a comparison to it? I mean, obviously, Usain Bolt was, yes. there is a transcendent personality, and I'm around the same age as you. When I was growing up, Carl Lewis, mm-hmm. I think, certainly reached th- that level. Mm-hmm. Are, is there anybody else in track and field right now that would, that would follow that transcendent Jordan Ali type category? Well, that's the thing. It depends on where you're from. So for the world, it's Bolt. That's our rock star. He's our Michael Jackson, Mick Jaggers thing, right? But if you go to South Africa... There's a young kid there called Wade Van Niekerk who, no, he's not going to have a Q rating here in the United States. But you better believe if you land in any airport in South Africa, in Africa, period, and say, Wade Van Niekerk, somebody's going to go, oh, my gosh, this guy is the great. He just broke the world. He broke Michael Johnson's world record in Rio. So that's the beauty of track and field, too. And, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a parallel to NASCAR. What plays in Bristol doesn't necessarily have to play in Daytona, but to the people who are fans of a certain person, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the other guy. So a Wade Van Neeker guy, he may not, he may not think Bolt. You know, he may. Yeah, I appreciate Bolt, but that's not my guy. My guy is Wade Van Neeker. So in in that in that sort of way, America has had that. Certainly in Carl Lewis, probably currently would probably some be somebody like Allison Felix. She's the most medaled Olympian um, in track and field history So for the U.S. So I, I think it, it's, it's a question of region sometimes. Is it as important in track and field to have somebody like Bold who has such swagger and such flamboyance? Or is it where you have a sport where it's, it's the number that is the big appeal for some people. Can, you just, can it just be the number and not the personality? I think we got lucky with Bolt because yeah. he was both, right? He was right. a great athlete who also had phenomenal abilities to just, I mean, that, the, the world loves that guy right. and loved that guy. I don't know that, um, I don't know how important it is, but I know it's going to be tough to replace him. What are you looking for in terms of covering track and field versus NASCAR? How do, how do you think it's different? The athletes in NASCAR, the drivers, are known for being really accessible and, and accommodating. True in track and field, or is it is it a different type atmosphere? No, I think, I think both of the sports have that in common in that, yes, the stars don't have this sort of like buffer between them and the fans. Um, the stars will spend all night signing autographs, and they understand that their sport is fan-driven. And track and field has suffered credibility wise in the last couple years and it suffered from losing eyeballs in the last couple years and I think that's the reason why the athletes of today understand that probably even more than a, a, a Carl Lewis era for me I want to be very respectful of the place that I'm in and I say that because I know that there are times when people tend to look at something and as i said before you look at it and you assume things about it which are incorrect and not and not just that it's easy but i want to go in there and get an understanding of it such that you can listen to me and look at me broadcast and say okay he definitely is learning but it's not it's a learning from a position of because i love the speed and because I want to understand why this sport is so popular, I want to know everything about it. So I don't just want to be able to rattle off names and numbers. I want to also understand the history because I think that's the part for me that has made me a good track and field broadcaster. I never talk about the present without relating it to the past because you have people who knew NASCAR fans and you have young NASCAR fans. What about the older 
NASCAR fans, the ones who played their part in getting this sport to where it is right now uh, in America and in the world. So I want to make sure that just pretty much don't 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 piss people off. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good a good philosophy. I don't. I, I think that's good. Well, as somebody you know, myself, I've only covered NASCAR for twenty years and. The first race I covered was the first race that I attended. I didn't oh, know anything wow. about it b- before I started covering here, but I was fascinated. So you know exactly what I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Well, some, to some degree. I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't on national television when okay. I covered my first race, thankfully. That would be a disaster. But I appreciate your intellectual curiosity. Where does that stem from? Have you always just been a, a curious person who just wants to learn I'm things? a tech guy. I'm a guy who, in the middle of my career, I would come home from practice lifting weights and running with the world's fastest humans and I would continue my project of building computers from scratch or rewiring the house for well at the time you know the internet was a new thing Um, so I've always had I've always been tech first and everything else after and I think when you're a tech person tinkering is a big thing and I think that's the appeal I remember being at the uh, at the Winter Olympics and watching how detailed they have to be about cross-country skiing you look at that sport and you think, oh, the best skier is going to win. No. The person with the best wax, <laughs> the best wax compound and knowing what to put on the, on the, on the ski at the right time. And I fell in love with that sport because I'm like, that's a sport for tinkerers. Right. If I was a Winter Olympian, that's what I'd do. And I think the, my appeal, the, the appeal of, of NASCAR to me is that I understand that, yeah, on the surface, it's drive fast, turn left cross the finish line first but it's so much deeper than that there's so many nuances it's so it's so nuanced it's so intricate i think that's what that's what has really kind of grabbed me and i think will will hold me for a while you're a qualified pilot yes again there's the tinkerer slash tech guy you realize you're stepping into a sport where i think half of the drivers have pilot's license okay that's right (laughs) like you could fly with chase elliott probably back from daytona if you want also on my schedule is i'm supposed to be flying when they when they immerse me with the whole follow the team i'm gonna go on the i'm gonna go on on the on the team jet so i'm looking forward to that I got my pilot's license to make sure I never had the dreaded comeback. So I stepped away from the sport after a lot of injuries after the 2004 Athens Olympic Games. I was 30 and everybody said, oh, you'll be back. And I went, no, I'm not because I'm going to find something that is going to hold my passion. And that was aviation. I've always been in the, into, uh, into aviation. And I went and I got my pilot's license. And I think everybody should get their pilot's license. If, I mean, it's not for every personality. I think some right. people probably should stay on the ground. But if aviation has always appealed to you, you've always kind of looked skyward and thought, man, I would really like... Just go do it because I don't know anybody who has a pilot's license who regrets doing it. Even if they've never, even if they got it and then never flew a day, getting it, the process of getting it, I think is very rewarding. We had Chase Elliott on this podcast last year, and he talked at length about why he wanted to get. I mean, the kid's 21 years old and he's flying planes, but it was something he wanted to do for the exact same reasons you're talking about. Yeah, if you can pilot a car, you should be able to pilot a plane, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, the promotional stuff. So we've got Daytona, we've got Bristol. Bristol and Charlotte and Homestead Miami Speedway, the finale. And you said you're going to be spending time with the family at Daytona. Anything else you can tell us about, obviously, the pit crews, anything else? I, as I said, I'm going to be back here. The better I get, the more chance I have to be closer to actually assisting a pit crew down the road, <laughs> maybe next year, whatever. But yeah. um, as I said, I want to be respectful of the sport. So I don't want to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go in there and get a... These guys have been doing it for a very, very long time. So um, I can't reveal everything that it, that's on the sure. plan just yet. But I am. Uh, this is not going to be some sort of high and by. I'm okay. in it. 
All right. I'm in here. Well, you've certainly whet our appetite to stay tuned for the rest of the season and really appreciate you making time for us. Really glad that you're a part of the NASCAR and NBC team, Otto. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. We appreciate Otto Bolden's time. We wedged that conversation in between his whirlwind tour of NASCAR team shops in the Charlotte area and an appearance that he made on NASCAR America, and he was very accommodating with his time, so special thanks to him, as well as to producer Joel Madak, who helped coordinate this, and also will be Otto's producer on the features you will see on our broadcasts. Again, I'm really looking forward to what Otto will bring to NASCAR and NBC's coverage with all of that intellectual curiosity. That he has. And you will be able to see Otto Bolden on NASCAR this weekend at Daytona, where NASCAR will make its return to NBC Sports, see Dale Earnhardt Jr. go for the checkered flag one last time in the Coke Zero 400 powered by Coca-Cola, which will be airing on Saturday, July 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC. For the latest NASCAR news and updated broadcast schedules, So you can see everything that's happening this weekend, qualifying, practices, Xfinity race, cup race. Follow NASCAR on NBC on Facebook or check out NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. And as we resume our broadcast coverage, a reminder, you can go to NBCSports.com slash live for live streaming of all NASCAR events, as well as full replays of races and NASCAR America. We have another NASCAR on NBC podcast coming this week a special long-form episode on pit crews. I've done long-form before as a writer. This will be the first time I attempt long-form in podcasting. I spent some time recently with four members of the number 20 pit crew for Matt Kenseth. I learned a lot more about some nuances and subtleties behind how pit stops work, and I hope you'll enjoy learning about it as well. So watch for the first attempt at a long-form episode of the NASCAR and NBC podcast this Wednesday. Stay tuned for that. You also will want to be watching NASCAR America like you always do. Starting July 5th, every Wednesday, the show will originate from the NASCAR Hall of Fame with an in-depth NASCAR driver interview. Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, Kyle Petty, Steve Letarte, Rick Allen will be doing those interviews, so you certainly should check that out. And also, NASCAR America will be moving to a new time, 5 to 6 p.m. daily, on NBCSN after Daytona. So make sure to watch NASCAR America at that new time, 5 p.m. daily on NBCSN, especially on Wednesday. Check out those episodes starting after Daytona from the NASCAR Hall of Fame with an in-depth interview featuring a NASCAR driver, something you definitely want to check out. You also should check out the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP, like you always do, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, Spotify. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you like what you hear. Or better yet, just tweet about it, post on social media, tell a friend, help spread the word that you liked it. That really helps us out. If you have feedback on guest suggestions, ideas, send them to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. I got some good suggestions lately. I am listening. I definitely have some ideas for the future, so I appreciate that. Thanks again for your support and for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast presented by STP. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. 
STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner Plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.